This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can have what it says I can have. Today, I'm ready to receive the incorruptible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. Best shout ever. Remain standing as Victoria Kate comes. All right, I will be reading Psalms 119, starting in verse 25. I lie in the dust. Revive me by your word. I told you my plans, and you answered. Now teach me your decrees. Help me understand the meaning of your commandments, and I will meditate on your wonderful deeds. I weep with sorrow. Encourage me by your word. Keep me from lying to myself. Give me the privilege of knowing your instructions. I have chosen to be faithful. I have determined to live by your regulations. I cling to your laws. Lord, don't let me be put to shame. I will pursue your commands, for you expand my understanding. Teach me your decrees, O Lord. I will keep them to the end. Give me understanding, and I will obey your instructions. I will put them into practice with all my heart. Make me walk along the path of your commands, for that is where my happiness is found. Give me an eagerness for your laws rather than a love for money. Turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word. Reassure me of your promise made to those who fear you. Help me abandon my shameful ways, for your regulations are good. I long to obey your commandments. Renew my life with your goodness. Amen. You guys can be seated. Well, I want to say uh, during Pastor Appreciation, uh, Pastor Appreciation Month, it is kind of crazy to be on the stage because um, uh, appreciating our pastors is, is one of those things that we all do. But during the month of October, we do it for a month. But really, we appreciate you always. And we want to thank you guys for all that you guys do. Uh, Pastor Gene and, and, and Mama Junior, she was here. They'll probably see it on the, screen, on the video how much they've invested into this place and how thankful we are to them. But I'm thankful for you, Miss Robin, what you guys have met, uh, done to our family. We've, we've known you guys, but you've ministered to us, and uh, I'm so thankful for you guys. And aren't you guys thankful for our pastors? Just give it up for our pastors. You know, Mark talked about this, the, that day at Shane's, and what he didn't say was Ryan set the, the meeting up. Um, and uh, it was really kind of a very supernatural thing. Um, my heart was, was in need of, of, of encouragement. And you know when God, when God need, knows your heart needs encouragement, he sends somebody your way. And God sent Pastor Mark. And we weren't even attending the, the church here, but he just encouraged me. I was able to go home and tell my wife, and it just was an encouragement to our family. And so we are so thankful that we are here at Believer's. We're thankful to be with you guys, and I'm really grateful that I get the honor to come up here and share. Uh, it's, been, it's been a minute since I've uh, been able to, to, to share. Um, Pastor Mark said that uh, my wife Valerie um, and I, we have four kids, Shiloh, Abigail, Israel, and Noah. Uh, we've been here at Believers for about two years now, and uh, we've never uh, been more glad to see what God's doing in our life. Our family has been blessed. You know, it's one thing to go somewhere where you and your wife enjoy the church, 
But it's another thing when you go and your whole family loves to go to church. It's a blessing. And so I'm really thankful for that. And uh, my wife and I, we've been in uh, ministry off and on for about 22 years. Uh, we've lived in Mexico for three and a half years. Uh, we've, we were associate pastors. We've been student pastors. We've been kids pastors. Uh, I've swept the, the floors, cleaned toilets, uh, whatever ministry would call. And I'm just, uh, I, I really feel God has something for us today. And I'm, I'm thankful to be here. Can we pray? Father God, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you that you have a word for us today, God. I thank you that you speak to us. Lord, I'm thankful for this house. I'm thankful for our pastors. I'm thankful for what you have for us today, God. And I ask you, Lord, to speak through me, God. I pray that you would use me, God. You have a word today for someone here. And I pray, God, that you would take my words and go way beyond what I could say or I could do. Because your Holy Spirit is what is needed. So Holy Spirit, we give you freedom to move and freedom to say whatever you want to say in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I also don't want to forget Ryan. Thank you, Ryan, for all that you do for the students. But really, you've done a lot for my family, for Shiloh, for Israel, for Abigail, for Noah. Give it up for Ryan. Ryan's an amazing pastor. And if you're not busy, hang around. Hang around. He's going to preach better than I do in the next service. So, so. But when Pastor Mark told me or asked me, he said, uh, would you mind speaking during Pastor Appreciation Month? I, I began to think about it, and, uh, and, and I felt the Lord just drop something clear in my heart for whoever was going to be in the congregation today. I didn't know who was going to be here, um, but the Holy Spirit did. And there was a topic that um, he wanted to share, and you know, in our day today, there's an attack on fatherhood. There's an attack on fathers. There, really, there's an attack on parenting, if you, if you want to know the truth. There's an attack on what we would say is a godly family structure. The family that we know, the family that a lot of you guys grew up in, the structure, it's under attack, especially a Christian family. To have a man and a woman take their, their, their family to church, that is foreign to some people in our world that we live in today. And, and it hit me, the enemy wants to destroy the family. Because the family is what God started in the garden, Adam and Eve. We've heard over the last few weeks the creation story and how God wants to reveal his invisible qualities through creation and through, we see that. But we see Adam and Eve, they were the first family. And the enemy attacked the first family because he knew that if the family structure was there, that the home was serving God together, that the man, the woman, the kids were all together, he knew, the enemy knew that if he destroyed that, he could tear down God's kingdom. And so we see that in our culture today. And there's a scripture I want to start out with. It's in Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. And it's going to come on the screen. I love this scripture because it is so true. It's our, it's our scripture for today, and, and, and we're going to go into Luke 15. But in Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6, it says, Look, I'm sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord arrives. His preaching 
will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. Repentance and true, a true view of Father God is hand in hand. It's hand in hand. See, if you look at this, it says it would bring a curse to the land if, he, if the hearts of the fathers weren't turned to the children and children to the father. So if the hearts of the children are turned to the father, then there's a blessing. There's a blessing on the family when the children look to their fathers in the home and say, hey, there's something different about you. You have godliness in your life. I want to follow you. And listen, I don't know how you guys were, were, were raised, but there is a culture that we live in where fatherhood is under attack. Fathers are absent. Fathers are absent in, in the home. They're around the world. It's the same thing. It's happening all over. And Jesus came to show us who the father really was. And in Luke chapter 15, we see this clearly. We see Jesus. Jesus uses a couple parables to explain to the Pharisees, the scribes, the people that were around what the father was really like. We, we, you're going to hear a parable in a minute that you probably, if you've been in church any time, you've heard before. But it's the parable of, of the prodigal son. But it's... But that's really a story of the Father. It's a story of who Father God really is. This parable is, uh, this whole chapter is, is called the lost and found department. There's, a, there's something that's lost that needs to be found. Let's read, verse, let's read the whole chapter of, of Luke chapter 15. I'm going to go through it really quickly. So Jesus told them this story. I'm sorry, I went down to three. Tax collectors and notorious sinners often came to visit to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and te teachers of the religious law complain that he was associating with sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told the story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go search for the one that is lost until he finds it? When he's found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he'll call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner that repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and have strayed away. Verse 8. Or suppose a woman who has ten silver coins and loses one, won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? Just a side note. If you ever want to know if something is, if you want to find something, ask your wife. She'll find it. I'm certain if anything in our house is lost, Valerie knows exactly where it is. Right? Yeah. So that's why he, Jesus chose the woman here, okay? Just so you know. And when she finds it, she will call her friends and neighbors and say, Rejoice with me because I have lost, I found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when one sinner repents. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your, of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, his younger son packed all his belongings 
and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a, lo a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding, the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to him, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am, dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and you. And I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine is, was dead and is now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party begin. So the question that I want to ask today is what is God really like? What is God really like? You know, we look at this parable and it's easy for us to see the parable of the prodigal. The prodigal leaves and then comes back. But what I want us to focus on is Father God. What Jesus was trying to do with the people that was in that crowd that day, the Pharisees, the scribes, the sinners, he was trying to give them a true example of what Father, his Father, really looked like and what he was seeking. You see, we, we see it in, in the lost sheep. The Father wants the lost sheep to come home. And when he, when he comes home or she comes home, he puts them on his shoulder and he carries them in and says, let's have a party because my sheep was lost. That's Father God. Or the coin. We see the coin. We see there's, there's value. And so Father God sweeps the house and looks and says, something's lost. I need to find it. And he searches and he doesn't relent until he finds it. And that's seeking those that are lost. Or even the prodigal son, you see the father. Father God is waiting for that son to come home. He lets him go and experience life. He takes his inheritance. And Father God says, until you come home, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Father God never, we see this father, never stopped watching to say, one day he's going to come home. One day. That's Father God. So what is God really like? We see him as holy. We see him as righteous. But God is love. Love doesn't excuse sin, but love covers sin. It doesn't cover it to, to remove it. What it does is it says, I'm going to take you in, love you, and then you repent. See, that, that, it, it, it's just a beautiful picture of Father God. So what is God really like? Some people would ask this important question. Do you believe in God? The question that we really need to ask is what kind of God do you believe in? What kind of God do you believe in? Do you believe in a God that loves? Do you believe a God that is 
that is scary? You know, because the Jewish people, the people that Jesus is talking to in this parable, they were trying to see, did Jesus really have a representation of who Father God really was? They needed a clear representation. And so he's, he's using these parables to pull out, do you really have the right view of Father God? There's something worse than an atheist. It's a person that believes God, but they have a wrong concept of God. An atheist knows, they say they, say they, they, don't, they don't believe in God. I don't believe in God. But a person that believes in God but has a wrong idea of God, that person is more dangerous than an atheist. A clock, listen, let me, let me put it this way. A stopped clock is right twice a day. But a broken clock is worse than no clock at all because it gives you misleading information. God wants us to have the right view of who he is as father. You can believe in God, but if you have a false idea or a concept of God, then you're away from him and you'll never understand who he really is. There are Muslims around the world, Hindus, there are, there are agnostics around the world that have a little piece of who God is, but they are still away from God. What, what is our view of Father God? What is, what is it? And Jesus is trying to give us this clear story. You know, Pastor Mark has been talking about the invisible qualities of God. We can see in nature who God really is. But what does the Bible say about Jesus? He says, if you've seen me, you've seen who? The Father. So that's not an invisible quality. That is a clear representation of who Father God really is through the life of Jesus. And he's trying to tell them there, listen, you have a wrong idea of God. You scribes, you Pharisees, you sinners. You have an idea of God that is completely wrong. You have a little bit of him, but you don't have the fullness and I've come to tell you, I am the fullness. Through me, you can see who f the fullness of Father God really is. We see it in the lost sheep. There's this caring and seeking nature of God. We see it in the coin. There's a desire for restoration. We see it in the prodigal that there is a, a, a restoration from ruin. The prodigal was away from his father, but God wanted to bring him home. And Jesus uses this parable to show us who Father God really is. He's a good father, right? Yes. Last week, it was, it was funny in the first service, Olivia said, I, I didn't really want to sing this song. It's cheesy. And I felt the same way when you said, I was like, man, she doesn't even know what I'm speaking on and that, next week. And, and that song, Good, Good Father, is, sounds really cheesy when you do it over and over and over, Right? Sometimes you get tired of it. You ever get tired of what's on the radio? Or, or It gets tiring, right? But sometimes God says, read the lyrics again. Think of me, not how you feel. And he awakens something inside of us. And when you did that last week, I just want to tell you, thank you for doing that. Because inside of me, it was like, man, he is a good, good father. It reminds me of all the things that he's done in my life. And that is, we need a reminder of that. And Jesus was reminding them that he is a good, good father. This father we see in the prodigal son story shows us that this father was an open father with his, with his, with his boys. We see it. We see it in, in their relationship. 
that, that there was, there was a, a clear communication. I mean, think about it. The younger son, the younger, the younger, not the older, came and said, hey, I would like my inheritance. That younger son had, had a, a freedom to come to his father and say, can I have my inheritance? Think about the older son, the one that was with him, and he said, hey, I've been here the whole time. You didn't throw me a party. He had a freedom to say, I've been here. Why are you doing this for him? He squandered it all. There was a freedom. There was a good relationship. In fact, some theologians believe that Jesus is correcting a parable that the Jewish people that were hearing this parable, he was he was putting the proper spin on a story that they already knew or they had already heard in their life. They had heard about a prodigal going away. But there was relationship that, that this, this father had with this prodigal son and the, and the older son. So probably knowing that the older son was going to receive about two-thirds of the inheritance, he went and said, hey, I'd like to have my, my portion. I'd like to go and, and experience life on my own. I, I, I want to walk away. And I don't, I don't think that the younger son was trying to be disrespectful. I think he was going to say, I just I want to go do my own thing. I want to go be my own person. And, 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 but that is a representation of their relationship. There was an availability. The first point I want to say about our Father God is... There is the extravagant availability of the Father. The extravagant availability. Look at, look at Luke 15, 11 again. It says, To illustrate the point, Jesus told them the story. A man had two sons. The younger told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed. Think about this. The father didn't have to agree. He didn't have to agree. He didn't have to give him his inheritance. He could have told him no. But the father was available to listen to his younger son to say, okay, I'm going to let you go as far as you need to go. I'm going to let you go. He was available. He, listen, he listened to his, and, and to his son. Father and, and, and mothers as well, but I want to specifically speak to the fathers. Are you available to your kids? Do you just work all the time? Do you provide? Listen, it, it's it's great that we as men are providers, that we that we go and, and we do what we need to do for our family. Somebody walks in my house that I don't know, they're not there for tea, so they're gonna get the the protection of, of the father. You know what I mean? I'm supposed to protect my house, right? My mom lives downstairs. At our, we have our house together, and, and uh, I told her, I said, if, if, I'm, if somebody comes into your house that you don't know, they're not there to have tea with you, okay? You do what you have to do to protect yourself, all right? But fathers, we have to protect our house. If somebody comes in my house and I don't protect it, I'm not really a man. Really? Come on in. Here's my wife and kids. Do what you must do, but do it quickly. <laughs> no, I'm going to protect my house. It's my house. This is my house. But, but fathers, that's not enough. 
It's not enough for us to provide or protect. We have to be available. Are you listening to your kids? Do you listen to your wife? Do you listen when there's problems? One of my, one of my kids this week, I was talking to him, and, and they said something to me that was very hard for me to hear. And it was like, Dad, sometimes you just don't listen. And I was like, it hit me. I was like, you're right. And I, and I said to him, thank you for telling me that. Because I want to be available for my kids to talk to me at any time because their seeing me as available sees God as being available to them. If they can see the Father in me, they're the same thing. They need to see Father God in me. They need to know my dad's available to listen to me. He's available at all times. So there was an extravagant availability that this father had with his two sons. The second thing is, there is an extravagant generosity of this father. Luke 15, 12. The younger son told the father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between the sons, verse 13. And a few days later, his, this younger son packed all his belongings, moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money on wild living. Now, there was a generosity. Like I said earlier, the father didn't have to say yes, but he was generous. I picture a father that, that this son had a good relationship with his father, and, and the, the father was just, he probably gave him things all along. And so when he came and said, hey, give me my inheritance, he, he, it, wasn't a, uh, it wasn't odd for the father to hear it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. He was generous with his kids. He was generous with them and, and, and liberal, and he wasn't controlling. I know the father probably desired that his son would do something different, but he was saying, you know what? Here's your inheritance. Go do what you need to do. That's hard as a parent. Really? It's hard as a parent to say, you know my thoughts in that specific thing, but you're going to have to go do what you have to do to figure it out. That is a difficult thing as a parent. It's something that I'm learning as my kids get older is to say, okay, I'm generous with you, but you, okay, go, go figure it out. And you know they're going to fail, Right? Two of my kids are in here right now, okay? They know they're going to fail. I know it. God knows it. But guess what? I have to let them experience it. I can be generous and still let God work in their life. Right? As a father, I have to be. They have to see me as being generous. Because if they see me being like the father, then they're going to turn to him when it's time, right? When they fall, they're going to turn to him. They may turn to me, but they need to turn to him first. Parents, this is, this is the thing. The thing in parenting that I've learned, I've been a parent now for 19 years. I've learned a little bit. Not a lot. I'm still learning. The more I can let them experience it themselves, tell them what they need to know, but let them experience it, the more they'll turn to him. Be generous with your time, with your money, with your but let them see God in you. If they don't see God in you, they're not going to see God at all. 
This was a new concept. God had all power, he had all authority, but he was saying in this story, we see God saying, guess what? You have free will, go do what you gotta do. You, you have a choice. You've been in my house, you've, been, you've lived in my house, and I've made all the choices for you, but now go, go experience it. You have to make the choice. And you have to live with your choice. You get a speeding ticket, son, you have to live with it. You get to pay for it. Your insurance goes up, guess what? You get to pay for it. When you hear me say slow down, there's a reason. Because the police doesn't like it when you go over their limit. Live with it. Sorry, Shelby. Not really. This prodigal, though, left and he was at a place where he wasted his inheritance. Waste and want are twin brothers. Waste will soon become want. When you waste it, you will start wanting more. Right? It happens. This boy spent extravagantly. This prodigal, he left and he went and spent it. It doesn't tell us what he spent it on. We assume. We, it says wild living or extravagant living. Whatever that meant, it just... He went out and spent it all. He came to nothing in the pig pen. The father was generous knowing the son was going to make a bad choice. I believe this father knew you're going to go spend this all and, and, and you're going to need something later. I really believe that. That's hard as a parent, right? Parents, that's hard. That's a difficult thing. The third thing about the father is the extravagant influence of the father. Fathers, you influence your kids. You Listen, I, I, I had this happen to me one time. I heard one of my kids respond to somebody the way I did, and I was like, ooh, is that how I sound? <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. <laughs> you get those moments? Help me, Jesus. Like, I sound, that, I'm, it's terrible. What was coming? I was like, no, don't say that. Oh, oh, Derek, don't ever say that again. It happens. We influence. And this father influenced his son. How do we know that? When the son got to the place that he was in the pig pen, or actually getting to the pig pen, he, he didn't turn to anything else. He went and got a job. A Jewish kid went and got a job working with pigs. That doesn't make sense. A Jew, and not only did he work with pigs, he wanted to eat the food that the pigs were eating. Notice he didn't eat the pig. <laughs> this, this, this boy went, and guess what? He, he knew to get a job. Why? Because his father taught him, listen, when money was out, you got to go do something. You have influence on your kids. You have influence on how they think. You have influence on how they feel. You have influence in a deep, deep way. And when they get into their time of want, what you've taught them will come out. Let me say that again. When they get to the place of, of want and desperation, what you've taught them will come out. Good, bad, ugly, whatever it is, it will come out. I, I'm telling you, it's, it, it, I, I, with my dad, I find myself, and I know probably everybody in here 
says this, but I find myself going, that sounds just like my dad. Where did that go? Oh, yeah, I know exactly where that came from. I remember that. Even though the boy was away from home, his father's training still influenced him. His father had still put inside of him, when you get to a point of desperation, cry out. Think about the story. Even though he was broke, he was busted, he was in the pig pen, what did he do? What, what happened to it? He says it came to his senses. Okay, what that really, there's another translation that says when he came to himself. What that says, there was a training, an influence inside of him that said, when I get to my point of desperation, I have to change. Who taught him that? His father. There was an influence that was on him. He didn't go and just panhandle. He didn't go beg. What did he do? He went and got a job working with pigs as a Jewish boy. Does that make any sense? The father's influence caused him to remember who he was and who he belonged to. Let that sink in. The father's influence caused him to know who he belonged to. He said, I would have it better in my father's house than here as a servant. As a servant. My father's servants don't eat pig food. My father's servants eat really well because my father takes care of them. The father had influenced him that when something goes wrong, I can turn to my father. Think about it. How did he know he could go back? He'd taken his inheritance and left. How did he know he could go back? Because inside he knew when he got to the place he needed it, he would go back to his father. There was a point of return. Which leads me to the next thing, the extravagant forgiveness of the Father. There's an extravagant forgiveness of the Father. Look at Luke 15, 17. When he came to himself, he said, How many of my hired servants in my father's house have bread enough to eat and to spare and perish with hunger? I will arise, go to my father, and say to him, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. There was an extravagant forgiveness. The word extravagant there, it, prodigal, prodigal actually means extravagant, reckless. He, there, was a, there was a forgiveness that this son knew he could get by going back home. There was restoration. The old Jewish parable, though, says this, that the father folded his arms, turned his back, ordered his son to be driven away because that's exactly what he deserved. Jesus said that's not what the Father God is saying. He's saying, you come home. The Father's calling you home. You, when you realize where you're at, when you come to yourself, when you come to your senses, when you, when you realize that you are in desperation, go back to the Father. See, that's what he taught his son. Go back to the Father. This is what I picture the Father doing. And this, I get choked up almost every time I think about this because I've experienced this. I see the father, let's shift it to the father for right now. I see the father at home, and he was a, a picture like this, this hill or mountainside. And I picture the father every morning going up on that mountain or going up on that hill and going, is today the day he's coming back? 
He prays. He looks around. He doesn't see him. Maybe he goes back out there at night and says, mm, right, before, right before the sun goes down, is today the day he's going to come home? Is today the day he's going to? And Because what was in the heart of the Father? Forgiveness. I'm ready to forgive him. As soon as he comes home, there's forgiveness. As soon as he makes it back, I'm going to forgive him. I'm going to let him back in. Jesus wanted us to know that about the Father. It wasn't that he pushed him out. The Father never pushed him out. The Son left. But the Father was waiting for the Son to come home. In matters of salvation and rules and regulations, see, Jewish, the Jewish mind was, you need to be pushed away. But Jesus said, don't think that way. Think the Father's waiting for him to come home. Father's waiting. And here's what the Father says. This is what I love. The kiss means that there's fellowship restored. He kissed him when he, when he came running. The ring, the ring means the position of authority is restored. You're now, you're my son. You're, you've been restored. The robe meant, I've got you covered, son. The shoes meant, guess what? You're not a servant, you're a son. The party means he's back in fellowship, not only with the family, but with the community. There was a party. The father was ready and willing to forgive. Whenever that which is lost is found, when that is dead and has come to life, there's a party that goes on. There's a party that happens in heaven. There's a party that should happen on earth when we see someone coming back. Listen, I was a prodigal. My parents, I was, I was bad. When I was 19 years old, I got into drugs. I came home one day, and the doors, the locks were changed. My mom is here. She can attest to it. This is what I looked like. I have no clue who took this picture. I have no clue where I was. I have no clue how old I was. But I know I was lost. I know that there was forgiveness that was given to me because my parents said, if you're going to be in drugs, you can't live here. You're going to have to figure it out. But when you're ready, come back home. Four and a half, five months later, this guy goes to jail. And God radically changes his life, and here I am today. So I've seen it on the prodigal side. I've seen it from a father, my father, who said, who said to me, he said, if you're going to do that, you can't, but when you're ready, come back home. I'll give you forgiveness. You have the influence in your life. You have all the things you need. When you're ready, come back home. I've seen it on the prodigal side, but I've also seen it from the father's side. Put this next one up. See that right there? That is why I'm up here today. I don't care if it was eloquent. I don't care if I'm saying it the right way. But I know that God said, your son was lost and he came home. And he's right there. He's right there. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, JJ. Thank you, people that speak into our kids' lives. Because guess what? There are people that are speaking into your kids' lives that will go beyond your voice. But when they get in that baptismal pool and their life's changed, it's worth it. When a prodigal comes home, 
See, it's one thing to experience it as a prodigal, but it's another thing to experience it on the level of being a father. Because I see the heart of God in a way that I would have never seen it. And the moment Pastor Mark asked me to speak, I knew that there was going to be parents in this room that needed to know, don't stop praying. I don't know who this is for, but this is why I'm up here today. This is a representation of not giving up. Moments where Valerie and I are going, Val, I don't know what else to say. I don't know how else to speak into his life. He won't talk. He won't listen. He's doing drugs. He's doing this. He's doing that. I'm not trying to tell your story, but that's the story. I don't know how else to get through to him. And the Lord would say through somebody, hold on, stay in, don't give up. And we'd pray. And then lo and behold, God changed his life. So whoever this is for, don't give up. Keep praying. Watch him move. Because I promise you, I promise you he'll move. Because he's a loving father. He's not giving up on them, so you don't need to give up on them. It may be your son, your daughter, your grandson, your granddaughter, your cousin, your, I don't know, whoever it is. Whoever this is for today, the Father God wants you to know his plan is restoration and salvation. And he will listen. It might be your, listen, this might be, it may be a wife that's here today and you're saying, my husband needs to come home. God wants you to know, don't give up. Don't quit praying. Father God is here, and he's willing. He is willing. He's willing. He's willing. I want to pray for those today that need prayer for their prodigals to come home. I don't know what your situation is, but for whatever reason... The Lord spoke to me very clearly that somebody needs it. But I also heard this too. Not that somebody needs it. I also heard the Lord say, they're changing. Those people, those sons, those daughters, they're actively changing right now. I, I, I'm going to say it like this. You're going to know very soon they're coming home. It could be today. It could be tomorrow. It could be a month, but they're coming home. They're coming home. Father, right now, I pray over every person that's in this room. Every person that's under the sound of my voice. Lord, I believe that there are husbands and wives that have been praying. There's grandparents that have been praying. There's 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 wives that have been praying, maybe husbands that have been praying, there's maybe kids that have been praying for their dad to come home, their, their mom to give their life to Jesus. I don't know, but I do know, Lord, you have a plan for restoration today. You have a plan to restore. You have a plan to bring life. You have a, pr- a plan to bring hope and a future, one that will not disappoint, but one that will bring life. So God, I pray today that you bring life. Where there's prodigals, bring them home. Where there's prayers that have been prayed, bring them home. Bring them home.
I just see, I just see a son right now that has been away from God. And the Holy Spirit wants you to know that he's heard every prayer. He's seen every tear. He's, he's given you the advice to give them, even though it looks like they've rejected it. They haven't. It's inside their heart, and the, the seed is going to mature very soon. Don't give up. Don't give up. If you guys would, would you, would you stand with me? Thank you so much for joining us on the Believer's Church YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Believer's Church, you can visit mybelieverschurch.com. If there is anything that you need prayer for, please email us at amen at mybelieverschurch.com. Be sure to check back next week for a brand new message.